Hi, I'm Rima, and you're listening to Think Like a Scientist. In this show, we break down barriers between scientific thinking and modern-day actions for the result of providing you real-life tools and experiences that you can use to bring positive impact. Hey everyone, welcome to the bonus episode. Today we are going to be talking about neuroplasticity. If you guys are new here, welcome. My name is Rima. This is the Think Like a Scientist podcast. Uh, Today I wanted to talk about neuroplasticity and the way that you can use it to your advantage. And if this sounds like a technical term to you or you haven't heard about it before, just stay for a little bit because I promise you everyone who listens to this And each person can take something from it and the knowledge that they're going to gain you could use to apply to your real life. It's quite, it's quite interesting. So if you're unaware of what neuroplasticity is, neuroplasticity is the ability of your brain to change. And that sounds like some magic crazy thing, but it's quite, it's true. Your brain can change over time through creating new neural connections, through the strengthening of synapses through weakening of synapses in your brain and I'm going to talk about how these are applied in our daily life and the way that you could use it to better your learning your memory and retain more information and the ways that you can trigger a neuroplasticity but first let's talk about how neuroplasticity happens because I see a lot of discussion about neuroplasticity and I see talks of we can create neuroplasticity the same way we can in in a kid's brain. And while that's true, there are different elements that are applied to trigger neuroplasticity in the adult brain compared to the kid brain. And I'm going to talk about that now. So kids are wired for neuroplasticity. They're wired to learn. And... They don't have to sit down and be alert or aware or choose to want to learn for neuroplasticity to happen. And there's this, uh, this reminded me, there's this evolutionary theory that the reason why kids are so wired for neuroplasticity and are so wired to learn and, you know, kids can learn five languages a lot better than, you know, an adult trying to learn five languages. There is this evolutionary theory that the, the reason why for that is because kids need that for survival when they aren't you know, they have this huge desire to learn a language and they're able to do that so fast because that's the only way for them to communicate. They don't know how to communicate yet. And so their desire to learn a language so that they can communicate their needs, their wants, their desires, and etc. Whereas for an adult, it's quite different. And there are also other aspects that are applied to that. And we're, I'm going to talk about that later. I'm also going to talk about the use of pharmaceutical drugs in uh, neuro and triggering neuroplasticity though i don't i'm not a fan of that i have to include that because it's part of the discussion of neuroplasticity and i'm just gonna you know it's just a fun aspect to at least know about so kids are wired for neuroplasticity they're wired to learn whereas for adults they have to choose they have to make a decision to change something your nervous system doesn't just change because of an experience when you're an adult for a kid, yeah, there is so many experiences that just shape their brain and shape who they are. And that's why they say the critical time is between one to five years old. And, you know, the experiences that a, that a child 
experiences at that age or during that time shapes who they are in their brain. Whereas for adults, you know, I also see these memes and videos titled like, if you watch this video or if you watch this lecture, your brain is going to change. And bad news is that that's not really true. But good news is you can change your brain if you choose to change something. So we can't just passively listen to something and expect that your brain is going to change. We have to actively put the effort. We have to be alert and aware and choose. We have to make the decision so that neuroplasticity can happen, so that we can change our brain, whether it's a habit or whatever it is that you want to change or have the desire to change. So your nervous system doesn't just change because of an experience. You have to choose to change something. And your nervous system changes when certain neurochemicals are released to strengthen or weaken the connection of these neurons. We're going to talk about what these neurochemicals are and how to trigger these neurochemicals. I just put the point there that if you have to be adult, if you, or <laughs> if you want to learn as an adult, you have to be alert and aware and you have to choose, you have to make the decision to change something so that you can trigger neuroplasticity. Now, what are these neurochemicals that I just mentioned and how can we trigger them? Neuroplasticity occurs when norepinephrine and acetylcholine are released. The locus ceruleus sends out axons with norepinephrine. You guys will need to know what that is. Um, and epinephrine is released when we pay attention and are focused. So that's why I say that it's important as adults to pay attention and focus because that is how we can trigger epinephrine and norepinephrine, which is associated with neuroplasticity. When we pay attention, acetylcholine amplifies the signal of sound. So for example, if you're watching a lecture or a video or a YouTube video and you are paying attention and are focused on that, on the sounds that are coming from that video, you're amplifying the signal that is coming from that source, which releases acetylcholine. Acetylcholine amplifies the signal of the sound, which makes it greater than the sounds that are around us. So those two neurochemicals are what trigger neuroplasticity, and that's why it's important that we pay attention and are focused. So in order to trigger neuroplasticity, acetylcholine needs to be released from the nucleus basilis, and you guys don't need to know that, but acetylcholine needs to be released from the nucleus basilis and brainstem, and norepinephrine needs to be released from the locus ceruleus. So we talked about attention, focus, and just being alert and aware and choosing and deciding to want to change something. There have been a lot of talks about using pharmaceutical drugs and as well as cigarette smoke to trigger neuroplasticity or probably heard other people say that they are they feel that they are able to pay more attention and they feel that they can focus a lot more when they smoke a cigarette and that is because nicotine increases the levels of acetylcholine that's because acetylcholine binds to the nicotinic receptors which are involved with attention and alertness however not recommended at all there are other things that you can do to trigger neuroplasticity or to better your focus or attention without using without cigarette smoke and but i just want to put it out there because like i said it's something that's quite interesting just to know and to understand why things happen there is also the use of cholinergic drugs and these are drugs that mimic the action of acetylcholine 
which is why they are also used in sports. I even just found out recently that Olympic athletes have been using this because even that increase of, even if it's just a little millisecond of better attention or focus, that better mental acuity that they acquire from these drugs help them, in, especially in those races. So, you know, when they hear that gunshot, just that, just even a couple of milliseconds helps them in that race and it does happen. So not recommended, just something that I wanted to put out there because it's quite interesting to know and I was pretty fascinated to know. Now I want to talk about the types of neuroplasticity. I'm going to talk about the four main types of neuroplasticity. I'm going to talk about the last two first because they're quite opposites of each other and if you understand one, you'll easily understand the other. There is the strengthening of synapses and this happens through reoccurring activities like studying or practicing. And this is also going to be beneficial for students to hear because that's why active recall is one of the most effective ways to study because you are constantly recalling information, strengthening the synapses that are associated with the material that you are trying to recall, which makes it a lot easier for you to recall that information later on a lot more accurately. So basically, tests are just testing your ability to recall information accurately and that's why active recall is one of the most effective ways to study for exams. And uh, the strengthening of synapses also occurs when practicing. It's associated with learning and memory. So if you're practicing, let's say, piano, consistently practicing the piano helps you strengthen synapses that are associated with, let's say, your eye-hand coordination on the keyboard and helps you improve your skills with that, with that um, instrument. So we call that long-term potentiation. Long-term potentiation is the strengthening of synapses, which we just talked about. Active recall, um, recalling material, or practicing the piano. The opposite of that is weakening of synapses. So we talked about strengthening of the synapses, there's also weakening of the synapses. This may sound like a bad thing, it's not necessarily a bad thing. The weakening of synapses is associated with memory and motor learning. So let's say you played a piano for one month and then you stopped for a full year you are going to weaken the synapses that are associated with. So that's why when you try to get back later on, it's a lot harder. And we call this long-term depression. And by the way, the name isn't associated with the actual clinical diagnosis of depression. Long-term depression is just the name that's used to describe the weakening of synapses. So we talked about strengthening of synapses, which is long-term potentiation. And we just talked about long-term depression, which is the weakening of synapses. And this actually reminded me a fun fact for the long-term depression, the weakening of synapses. Neuroplasticity research has also studied long-term depression and the role of memory loss in patients with neurological disorders such as Alzheimer's and drugs that impair the prefrontal cortex such as cocaine. So they found that co cocaine, which impairs the prefrontal cortex, is associated with memory loss and the weakening of synapses, which can lead to Alzheimer's disease. So we talked about long-term potentiation, long-term depression, and there's also some, still a couple things I want to touch on about long-term potentiation and long-term depression that I'm going to come back later on, just because I don't want it to be very confusing right now. When we talk about neuroplasticity, there's also talks about the creation of new neurons in the brain. The creation of new neuron doesn't new neurons does not usually occur in adult brains. It occurs at very high rates in the young brain. Which is why I said in the beginning and I highlighted that children are wired for neuroplasticity and they are wired to learn. So they they don't have to sit down and choose to want to learn something. 
they are so driven and wired to learn because they also have the creation of new neurons at such high rates in their brain. And we call this neurogenesis. Neurogenesis is the creation of new neurons. And I want to touch on this because there's also been a study that showed that it was possible to create new neurons in the adult brain. But what was not talked about was that these neurons were, or the neurons were very, very few. There weren't that many, or at least that many to have such significant impact. So that's neurogenesis, the creation of new neurons. Now, it may be bad news to you to understand that we can't really create new neurons, but the good news is that we can create new neural connections. And this occurs when the brain is exposed to new environments and experiences and activities like learning a new musical instrument or traveling. So that's why, you know, you see people travel and they come back and they're like, I'm, I'm a changed, I'm a new person. Or, you know, you learn a new musical instrument and the beginning of learning that musical instrument is the hardest because you're creating new neural connections that weren't there before. So if you wanted to learn playing the piano and you've never done that before, the beginning is the hardest part because you are creating neural connections in your brain that weren't there before. But for those who are coming back to learn the piano, but have had experience learning the piano, it's not completely, it's not that hard for them to get back because they have, they do have existing neural connections. It's just been weakened. So playing the piano, it's kind of like recalling information to strengthen those neural connections again so that you can practice the piano as you were before. But for those who haven't practiced piano before, you're creating neural connections that, that weren't there before and that's why it, it's very hard. It can be very challenging yet it's a rewarding feeling. We call that synaptogenesis, the creation of neural connections, synaptogenesis. We talked about the four main types of neuroplasticity. We talked about neurogenesis, the creation of new neurons, which happens at high rates in the young brain. We talked about synaptogenesis, the creation of new neural connections, like practicing the piano that when you haven't done that before and or a new music or learning a new musical instrument. And that's why learning a new musical instrument at a young age is a lot easier or a language is a lot easier than when you're an adult because of neurogenesis, the creation of new neurons and the desire and drive to learn. We also talked about long-term potentiation, which is the strengthening of synapses. So consistently practicing that piano, you're going to strengthen those synapses that are associated with that, helping you improve your skills. We also talked about long-term depression, which is the weakening of those synapses. So if you just stop playing piano for a full year, you're going to weaken those synapses. Now, what I wanted to touch on about long-term depression that I didn't touch on before, it's not at all that bad. The weakening of synapses can be taken to your advantage. And by that, I mean, for example, those who've experienced trauma. The reason why therapy has proven to be so effective for individuals who have experienced trauma or who have PTSD is because it takes advantage of the concept of neuroplasticity to help individuals who have experienced trauma to to become more resilient to the triggers. They weaken these synapses that are associated with the emotional stimuli that trigger them. So that's long-term depression. So we just talked about the types of neuroplasticity. We talked about four main types. We talked about neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, long-term potentiation, and long-term depression. Now, I want to talk about when neuroplasticity occurs. And I think this is the most important part of just neuroplasticity because this is going to decide whether your work done to trigger neuroplasticity is going to actually 
take effect or not and i also want to talk about the duration of learning bouts usually we say you know learning for 90 minutes is most ideal it's when you're able to get in that deep focus and attention neuroplasticity occurs when you sleep now this sounds like the most simple thing but sleep is very important for when you learn and for neuroplasticity because when you sleep the neural circuits that were active when focused and when acetylcholine uh, was triggered will start to strengthen and weaken other and others will be lost so so that's why sleep is important because it can it can trigger long-term potentiation which i which we just covered which is the strengthening of synapses if you don't get that sleep you probably won't get those changes and there are other ways like recovery in between those periods of deep focus but sleep is one of the most important parts it's the key now there's also other things you can do i like to call these like recovery periods in between those bouts of 90 minutes of deep focus so after bouts of deep focus and learning it's shown that learning and optic flow by doing some motor activity or sport can also have have that effect of of strengthening those neural circuits and when i say optic flow i mean anything like cycling running walking or doing any sport or activity and just letting your mind drift away so just by doing any physical activity and having things flow past our retina but we're not completely focused or paying attention at once in one specific thing when we do that areas of the brain like the amygdala shut down so it can act as a recovery period and the amygdala is associated with the flight or flight response associated with fear associated with attention it also reminds me of why sometimes you know if you're sitting down you're trying to do a math problem and or just any problem that's in front of you whether it's a material or you're thinking trying to thinking of trying to come up with something and you know you're thinking and you're deeply focused and trying to get that solution or idea and you're unable to do so but then you just go on to do something else and then that it suddenly just pops in your head and that's because you allowed your mind to drift away for a little bit and it kind of acted like as a recovery bout or period for your amygdala to shut down the best way to accelerate learning is to have a period of time after being so deeply focused and organized and thought to just engage in some sort of motor activity so we just talked about when neuroplasticity occurs and how it's that key to deciding whether when you the effort you put to triggering neuroplasticity will take effect or not. So we talked about sleep and we talked about motor activity and recovery periods in between those 90 minutes of learning and being so deeply focused and engaged in thought. So I'm going to do a bit of a summary and wrap everything up. We talked about the definition of neuroplasticity. The ability of our brain to change, strengthen neural connections, create new neural connections. We talked about the difference between kids and adults. Kids are wired to learn. They're wired for neuroplasticity. Adults have to choose, they have to decide and be alert and aware to want to change something for it to take effect on the brain. Your nervous system doesn't just change because of one experience as an adult. You have to choose to change something. We talked about the neurochemicals that are released when triggering neuroplasticity acetylcholine and norepinephrine we talked about how to trigger neuroplasticity we also talked about how pharmaceutical drugs and why some people may feel like they can pay more attention and focus in those use 
cigarette smoke and how nicotine increases the levels of acetylcholine. We talked about the types of neuroplasticity, the four main types of neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, the creation of new neurons, which happens at high rates in young kids. We talked about synaptogenesis, the creation of new neural connections, like learning a new musical instrument. We talked about long-term potentiation, the strengthening of synapses. So consistently learning that musical instrument, strengthen those neural connections. We talked about long-term depression, the weakening of those synapses. So if you stop playing that musical instrument for a year, you're going to weaken those synapses. We also talked about its relation to trauma and PTSD. We talked about when neuroplasticity occurs. And I put this for the last because it's one of the most important things that I want everyone to remember. Sleep, rest, and recovery will help strengthen those neural circuits that were active and when acetylcholine was released. If you don't get that deep sleep, you probably won't get those changes. We talked about recovery, engaging in some motor activity, and allowing just things to pass flow our retina to actually take effect. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. If you guys want more, if you really enjoyed this, please let me know. I'll see you in the next episode. Music